Starcourt Study Hall contains spoilers for all seasons of Stranger Things. Episodes may also contain graphic content and language not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts unless otherwise stated, and all content and characters are property of Netflix and the Duffer Brothers. I'm Marina. And I'm Amanda. And this is Starcourt Study Hall. In the past, when we've talked about certain populations of people, we've shouted them out and just wanted to acknowledge their presence as podcast listeners. So if you just so happen to be a rat, we really hope that you are ready to talk about chapter two of season three of Stranger Things, (laughs) The Mall Rats. The rats are going to hate this announcement. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever that means. (laughs) Yeah, so today all of us rats and all of you rats are going to talk about more rats. Yay, we love rats. We love rats and we know that they have a bad reputation so we just really want to clear that. Yeah, they're really cute. They are. They got stringy looking tails. And sometimes they eat whole slices of pizza in the subway. For sure. (laughs) You never know what they're up to. Pizza, fertilizer, it could be anything. They eat anything. They eat everything. All right, let's get right into it. This chapter was written by the DBs and Paul Dichter, and it was directed by just the DBs. And it aired on July 4th, 2019. And here's the summary straight from Netflix. Nancy and Jonathan follow a lead. Steve and Robin sign on to a secret mission, and Max and Eleven go shopping. A rattled Billy has troubling visions. Not a terrible Netflix summary. It, like, captured everything happening in this chapter, I feel like. Yeah, but I do feel that it didn't quite capture the gravity of what's happening. Sure, it would never do that. No, it doesn't do that. All right, let's get into some fast facts. I just want to start off by saying... All of the fast facts that I personally found were trash. (laughs) They were. (laughs) They were so bad. I usually, like, look for IMDb stuff or I look at the wiki because there's a lot of good stuff on there that wonderful people have compiled. So I got two, and then I know you have one that I hope is less trash. No, it's it's awful. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, everyone. We're just, this is trash today. (laughs) All right. So first and foremost, the Sharp brand cash register at Scoops Ahoy is a mid-2000s model. Whoa. Yep. Somebody fucked up. Dang it. And second, there's a continuity error with Steve's banana. (laughs) Now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is worth going back and and looking for. It is. It's funny. It's pretty good. So when Steve and Dustin are trying to translate the Russian code on the tape recorder in the back room of Scoops Ahoy, Robin comes in and Steve is throwing his banana peel on the table. Like he's mid toss and we kind of see the banana peel end up on the table. But then in the next shot, he is eating the banana again. Yeah, there's like a quarter <laughs> of it left again. Yeah. So the banana, banana chronicles. Wow. Iconic. Steven's Banana Chronicles. And I had one more fast fact, 
which I got off the wiki page for this episode, which is, it's so incredibly random and terrible that I had to say it. Okay. I'm excited. <laughs> and I just copied, I, and, I copied and pasted this straight from the wiki. <laughs> okay. This is not the first show to use the track All Hands Forward by Gerald Crossman. It also appears in Spongebob. That's yeah. the fast fact. It's the perfect one. It is so weird. <laughs> like, what is if that? It, if you all don't know, that's the song, the very nautical song that's playing in oh, Scoops Ahoy. That makes sense. Yes, I have that as a listed music that, in our yep. in our notes here. That checks it's out. The, da, 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 da. That's the nautical song. <laughs> <laughs> the one that SpongeBob plays on his nose. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think that was perfect. That was great. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, yeah. so let's get into our scene by scene. I, I'm ready. I had a lot of fun writing some notes for this episode, so. Oh, good. I'm Me excited. too. We pick back up in the eerily quiet Brimborn Steelworks. Suddenly, in our second jump scare of the series, Billy bursts through the basement door, sprints to his car, and drives to the nearest phone booth. He frantically attempts to call the police, but when they answer, he has a horrifying flashback of a fleshy tendril attaching itself to his mouth. Yum. Yuck. The light in the booth begins to flicker, and he is transported to the Upside Down. In the shadowy blue haze, or lavender haze, whatever you want to call it, a group of people begin to approach him. He demands several times to know what they want. What do you want? <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> but the leader of the group steps forward, revealing a cleaner and uninjured version of himself. Spooky. It's really spooky. The first time I saw this scene, I was like real spooked. Yeah, it's it's a spooky scene. It is. And it's it is a jump scare right at the beginning. Right? That it's it's one of like the biggest jump scares of the show, I feel like. Yeah. Cuz they don't pretty... do it a lot. No, they don't. You're right. They really don't. There's not a lot of they don't rely on that tactic much. No. No. This as an element. The psychological torture is enough. Absolutely. So I have a question. Yeah. What is happening here? Like is this the same thing that will was dealing with in season two like is that what we're looking at see it's hard because will does end up with the mind flayer in his mouth <laughs> <laughs> he does but it's mostly his smoke it's not a tentacle right it's not when like a he's physical... in the field yeah yeah it like it's like it, it's when he's got his eyes rolled back and the smoke is going in his mouth I just mean more like the vision that Billy's having. Like, is he oh. flashing between the upside down? Is he just seeing things? Like, is it now memories? So I don't know, but Will's version of this felt more like Harry's connection with Voldemort. Mm. Like, it was like Will could see into what the mind flare was doing, like like the spy, yeah. right? Billy's not having that experience, where he's spying for the mind flare. He's like taking direction. He's seeing what he wants him to see, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. So it's definitely, I think it's different. I think what Will experienced is different from what Billy is experiencing. But I think we kind of know why that is. Do yeah. We know why? I feel like we know why. Do we know why? I just kind of feel, and I definitely get into it a little bit more. I feel like we are getting true, undeniable signs of Vecna here speaking of which did you hear it yes you heard it too it's later no it's now okay well then there's it's twice then oh i didn't i heard okay. it later too. i didn't hear it later <laughs> there is a clock chiming in this opening scene 
it's faint TikTok. it's it's faint for sure and it's like questionable like i understand why i didn't notice it at first without mm-hmm. having the context of of clocks being important but yeah um if you really listen it's kind of woven into the soundtrack okay that's how i always feel like it is yeah because later on when i noticed it it can be all right fine that's just synth right but it's too it's too like rhythmic to Mm -hmm. be synth and it feels intentional now that we know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but on that note i had said like there are a lot of parallels between billy and will Mm -hmm. it's also funny they're both kind of named william they are they're both (laughs) named william like what does this mf have with williams he's like "Mm, get me a william Mm, delicious (laughs) but it's really just like the the wrong time wrong placeness of this all like will was wrong place wrong time billy is wrong place wrong time well the first time will was wrong place. the first time time, will was wrong place yeah but i said i don't know like what it would really be like but this this scene of billy fleeing the mill and running to the phone booth just kind of took me back to will's abduction and him kind of like maneuvering through his house mm-hmm. and then ending up in the shed where he ends up in the upside down so it's like yeah you they enter a smaller space and then they're transported to the upside down oh i like that yeah i'm also curious what would have happened if billy's 911 phone call had been successful because who would have gotten involved right away yep right hopper would have gotten involved immediately yeah if he if he heard that call he would have been like yep. uh-oh he would have been like okay there here here, here we go again oh here it goes <laughs> so i just thought that was really kind of cool yeah that's a good to point. think about that because i actually was thinking about that too and i'm like the poor operator on the other end was probably like what is happening <laughs> i know in in today's in in not today's times but in general like i've accidentally dialed 911 mm-hmm. they call you right back they do because you could be under duress or being held hostage or in a situation that you can't be like honest that you're calling 911 yeah one time i accidentally called 911 while i was babysitting my sister i was like 15 and my sister was a kid and they called back right away but they didn't come Hmm. which is kind of surprising because i'm i was very young yeah that is weird yeah but anyway over at the cabin a frustrated l calls mike to tell him that he's 15 minutes late to pick her up it's 9 32 Mike repeats Hopper's lie about his Nana being sick, but Elle calls his bluff. Mike tries to save face, insisting that Nana actually took a turn for the worse. In fact, she might die. (laughs) Mrs. Wheeler. (laughs) God, I have to do that every time. Who is eavesdropping on their call, panics, asking if Nana called. Did Nana call? (laughs) Elle asks Mike if he's lying. Actually, she says, do you lie? Do you lie? (laughs) And Mike vehemently denies it, claiming friends don't lie. He hangs up abruptly before Elle can object. Is Nana Karen's mom or Ted's mom? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) She seems to sort of care, so I want to say it's Ted's mom. (laughs) Not her mom? I don't know. I feel like she'd be more panicked, maybe, if it was her mom. Okay. I was just wondering who was Nana, who who she was. And I just love, I need to be alone today with my... (laughs) Feelings. (laughs) I actually said that though. I actually pulled that out too, and I said it reminds me of chapter one when Hop and Joyce are rehearsing what he's supposed to say to Ellen Mike. And it it just, they're just, Mike and Hopper remind me so much of each other this season. Yeah, it's kind of funny that they don't get along. It it makes sense. It's, yeah, they're like oil and water. Right. They just like do not 
or like do not mix two poles of the the magnet the same poles yes yeah they were magnets pal- magnets bringing it back <laughs> l comes out of her room to hang up the phone but quickly retreats slamming the door behind her with her mind hopper yes. notices she's upset and he smirks because his plan to separate the lovebirds seems to have worked he happily slurps down his honey smacks and then drives into town giddy and blasting you don't mess around with jim by jim croce he air drums his way right to Melvold's to tell Joyce about his success. Apparently, the Honey Smacks were not called Honey Smacks until 1986. Oh. They were called Sugar Smacks oh. still in 1985. Wow. That's funny. Mm-hmm. That cereal slaps, by the way. <laughs> I love that cereal. It is good. Right behind Hopper at 5 minutes 24 seconds when he's eating his cereal, on the counter, there is a game called Spill and Spell. And I saw the box there, so I decided to Google it. It came out originally in 1957, but the box that's in the show or in the episode looks like the version from 1972, which would check oh, out. Okay, right? That would that yeah. that would make sense. It seems like it's literally just Scrabble, but like you put the letters into a cup and shake it and throw them down like dice, and then spell words with whatever letters are facing up. We have to assume, right, that 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 game was given was like put here as a way for us to be like l is learning mm-hmm. that's but like, my guess i don't think it's fair to brenner that he didn't teach these geniuses how to spell like do you know what i'm saying yeah like, it feels like they received school <laughs> yeah it feels weird that he wouldn't school them like in regular totally stuff totally schooled them yeah in basketball yeah <laughs> on the court <laughs> on the court <laughs> Oh, yeah, it does feel weird to imply that Brenner wouldn't teach them to read. Like, they 100% know how to read. It just still feels weird that Elle's, like, vocabulary was so limited. But I guess we do sort of get an answer for that. Like, because her vocabulary seems better in 1979 when she's little. Yeah, I thought we were like, okay, that's just trauma. Right, it must be, yeah, or like, you know, Brenner says she basically had a stroke, so. yeah. I don't know if this scene of Hopper driving to Melvald's is the literal happiest we've ever seen this man. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I can't recall a time when he's looked happier. Besides when he was like chasing Sarah in the playground in his, in that flashback. He's also clapping with two hands while he's driving. (laughs) Like, stop that, sir. (laughs) Who's going to pull him over? It's like the awful cringy scene in season two oh, God. in Chicago when they're like air rocking out in the in the truck. So bad. Like, yeah, it's just the worst scene. Yeah. yeah. I, I, top five hopper scene for me, though. It's good. It is fun. It's a good one. He's so happy. I like but that like, you don't mess around with Jim kind of becomes like his theme song. Yeah. Love that. Over at Melvold's, Hop tells Joyce that Mike and Elle won't be seeing each other today for the first time in six long, excruciating months. Joyce asks Hop if he remembered to say everything they spoke about. He says he had to improvise a little bit, which catches Joyce off guard. But Hop distracts her by asking her to dinner at Enzo's tonight, 7 o'clock. She hesitates, but he assures her it is not a date. They agree on 7. Enzo's meeting there. Hop suddenly gets a call from Powell, who needs him to come deal with the Starcourt protesters outside of City Hall. As he leaves, a set of magnets falls to the floor. Joyce tries to put them back on the display, but they will not cooperate. Can we talk about Hopper saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what he says mm-hmm. about the 
the puppets yep. and the masters. Yep. <laughs> I wrote that down too. Yeah. Yeah. Hop says he's a puppet and Joyce is the master. And we know that Master of Puppets has a pretty big role in season four. Yep. Just a, just a, just like a semi important role. It's so funny because that song takes up like so little of the season, but it's so iconic. It is. And it is it's kind of associated, I think, with like an interference of sorts. Mm hmm. With his, which is kind of also what's happening here. Like Hopper is interfering in this relationship that Mike and Elle are trying to have. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting how it's like a similar, not use, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like it, it, it implies similar themes. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Joyce kind of seemed like a little bit charmed by Hopper before the magnets fell and distracted her. Yeah. It was kind of cute. She was so like, <laughs> I didn't, this isn't a date. And he was like, I, I didn't say anything about a date. Nope. No date. <laughs> no date. But they, because Hop says he's like, what What does he say? He's like, we've earned it. Yes. Yeah, we've earned yes. it. Yes. You two have absolutely earned it. You have earned a date and 15 more. I you agree. have earned a nice meal <laughs> at a nice restaurant, whether it's a date or not. I agree. To answer your question. Yeah. They've earned it. They have earned it. After everything. They've been through a lot. They have. There's also a shit ton of keys in this store. I don't know if you noticed, but there's oh. just keys everywhere. I actually did notice the spinning display of, of like, I guess they cut keys at Melville's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just thought there were a lot of keys. Yeah. A lot of keys. Another theme. Mm -hmm. Theme of keys. <laughs> Good old key theme. Yes, of course. <laughs> Not like unlocking. No, just keys. If any English teachers I've ever had have listened to this podcast i'm so sorry <laughs> we don't know what a theme is it's fine we've taken away from that that keys can be whole themes yeah, apparently so embarrassing again yeah we are that's okay nancy overpours tom holloway a cup of coffee and rereads her note from mrs driscoll in a daze bruce taunts her like an absolute creep she delivers Tom his coffee and asks him if one of the other girls could go grab lunch today because she's been having some girl problems and she needs to go to the doctor. Nancy grabs Jonathan from the dark room and the two set out for Mrs. Driscoll's. Jonathan questions if this is a good plan, concerned that they'll be fired, but Nancy insists that it's the best idea she's had all summer and if worse comes to worse, she'll never have to work at this shithole again. Yeah, I was just grossed out by... Can one of the other girls grab lunch today? Like, or you guys can get all of your asses and go get your own damn lunch. I know. And he's, well, they're needed at their desks. Okay. Is Nancy not? Like, honestly, I also was foolish and thought Nancy was pouring herself a cup of coffee for like two seconds. And then I was like, never mind. No, she's not allowed to have anything that is like will bring her joy. <laughs> never. <laughs> no joy for Nancy no, Wheeler. <laughs> not no joy allowed. <laughs> I feel like in this chapter and Susie, do you copy? It's it's small, but we see Nancy kind of violate Jonathan's boundaries in like a couple of different ways. Mm -hmm. One of which we spent a good amount of time harping on in our Jancy episode. And that was like, Jonathan needs this job. Nancy does not need this job. Yeah. So yes, it would be a big deal for Jonathan to be fired. Different from Nancy. But the other, like, smaller thing that irked me a little bit was this is two chapters in a row now where Nancy has disregarded the red light <laughs> over. But it's just, like. But it's, but it's like, it's meaningful. 
Yeah, it's like a small boundary that she's crossing that shows that she isn't thinking whatsoever of what he's doing. This is she's like one track mind. This is all about the the mission that she's on. Yeah. Plus, as somebody who's developed photos the long way, those prints are gone the mm-hmm. second that you bring light into that space. I don't know. It just like I said, it was small, but it's twice now and it just it felt like come on, Nance, like yeah dial it back just a little bit (laughs) yeah well it you know we put her in chaotic neutral for a reason you're right we did do that didn't we and we were right about that because we We were we thought chaotic good at first but no she is a chaotic neutral she very much is yeah although i also had to say like jonathan's a big boy he is a big boy if he wanted to not go and do this he could true he could have put his foot down and said no. He could have. She would, he could have said no. She did not physically drag him anywhere. Look, I know she probably would have been pissed, but he had a way to not do this. That's so true. Like, she's capable of violating your boundaries, but you're also capable and responsible of establishing your own boundaries. Right. Of, of And enforcing them. Actually enforcing your boundaries, right. Yeah. Yeah, which he does not at all. Like, he just complains about it, but doesn't actually do anything about it. Good point. Yeah. All right, cute, fun Starcourt Mall montage. Yay! <laughs> there's corn dogs. There's teens making out. There's cute <laughs> girls blowing kisses to cute boys on the escalator. <laughs> At Scoops Ahoy, Robin is slinging ice cream, looking miserable. Dustin shows up looking for Steve, and the two reunite excitedly. Robin looks on as they go through the motions of what appears to be a secret handshake. She teases Steve, sarcastically asking how many children he's friends with. <laughs> Valid question. <laughs> valid question <laughs> this is when that song is playing by the way oh yes 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 amazing yeah the the all hands forward by gerald crossman is a very nautical banger that plays and if you need it for any of your upcoming occasions it would make a great <laughs> wedding song or prom song or yeah the, whatever you need for your nautical needs <laughs> for your <laughs> for your nautical needs <laughs> wow there is a right behind Dustin when he's talking to Robin. There are two like like extras in a booth and they're like an older couple. And this woman is going in on her man's ice cream. <laughs> like he I was fully distracted. I was just watching them. She is like back there and he like offers her the ice cream cone and she just like <laughs> just, she just goes for it. <laughs> like she grabs it and she just shoves it into her face. And these people are like it, probably in their late 60s early 70s like they're mm. they're older and they are just going ham and it is wonderful <laughs> the scoops ahoy patrons i feel like they're funny to watch they are actually i i started paying attention after i saw the older couple and they are very funny to watch yeah for sure because in the next scene i think when dustin is talking to steve yeah and they they're consistently showing the people who are at the st- at the, the the ice cream store, the ice cream store, <laughs> and the tomato website and the pizza store. <laughs> wow! Just add to the collection here. All those extras are in the store are funny. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I think that Steve in this scene is just particularly hilarious. Between when he's when they're doing the handshake and he's like imitating the blood gushing yeah. out of him, <laughs> and then when Robin makes her comment about how many children he's friends with, and he's like. Like, this is what I'm dealing with. Yeah. Like, do you see do you what I'm see dealing this, with? Do you see this, Dustin? Do you see this? <laughs> it's just a great Steve scene. He's also become so uncool. I know. He's so lame. <laughs> Can we talk about that? He's so incredibly lame, but it's so funny. Like, put this Steve 
next to Steve in season two or in one. the bomber jacket with the yellow gloves and the baseball bat. Then you have this Steve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's really taken a nosedive. Like Steve, okay. If this is where seasons of Stranger Things ended, Steve would have been peaked in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. Sad Steve. If this Steve met season one Steve, season one Steve probably would have beat him up. For sure. <laughs> in the alley. Yeah. He would have beat the crap out of him. Fucking Tommy and Carol would hate this guy. Yeah, they would. They would. As Dustin shovels an ice cream sundae into his mouth, the two discuss Dustin's girlfriend, Susie, and how she's hotter than Phoebe Cates. He fills Steve in on how the rest of the party ditched him yesterday, but it's okay because he just intercepted a Russian communication. <laughs> Keep it down. Yeah, that's what I thought you said. <laughs> and they could be heroes just for one day. Hmm. He needs Steve to help translate it, please. Thank you. Of all people to ask I for help. I said this. I said it feels weird that Dustin would need Steve's help for translation or just like anything in general. But I think he yeah, just, I think he just wanted to point. hang out with Steve. I think so too. And I think he felt very ditched. Yeah. Like the people that he would normally count on for this kind of thing, he felt like he couldn't go to them because yeah. they ditched him. Yeah. I think he so. He was feeling a little bitter. When, when Dustin says kissing is better without teeth, <laughs> Steve's face... <laughs> It's just everything. He just stopped. Like, he's frozen. He's just like, yeah. okay. <laughs> it's a hot take, though, isn't it? It is. I mean, maybe not. I don't know. But I've never kissed without teeth. Me so either. I that can't, sounds can't horrifying. confirm. Gross. I feel like it would be a lot of spit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty Nothing nasty. to hold it back. I always, like, I would see these, like, you know, tropey teen movies and stuff where, like, two people with braces would kiss and then the braces w- would get stuck together. How does it even happen? It doesn't happen. It doesn't. Right? It just simply does not occur. I had braces for like five years. That never happened. Did you ever kiss somebody else who had braces? Did I? Maybe not. Did I? Maybe. I don't know. But it never happened. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> Regardless. It just Nothing occurred. It didn't happen. Also still confused about Dustin's teeth situation. They're gone. Yeah. Didn't he have teeth in season two? Yeah, but they fell out. Those were his, oh. his baby teeth. Were they? <laughs> I don't know. Because he, was that how that is that he says is, in season three about Susie? He's like, yeah, she doesn't even care that my real pearls are still coming in. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there's an actual anatomical yeah. answer here that we just don't have. But I'm pretty sure he's still his adult teeth are still. I think you're in. probably right. That's what it seems like because like that's probably what happens with what is it? Crito Clidocranial dysplasia. Okay. It is a rare genetic condition that affects teeth and bones, such as the skull, face, spine, collarbones, and legs. Makes sense. So, teeth. yeah, I think you're right. It was probably his baby teeth in season two. Yeah, it says common in clidocranial dysplasia is delayed loss of the primary or baby teeth. Mm-hmm. There we go. And then delayed appearance of the secondary adult teeth. That makes sense. Yep. Okay. That makes more sense. We all learned something today. I just I love that the show just built that in. Agreed. So mm-hmm. pretty cool. I think before we move on, mm-hmm. I know that we've been on the scene for twelve hours. I just want to mention that Steve is being forced to reconcile with the fact that Dustin has a girl and he can't get anyone. Oh. I didn't think about that. Yep. But I love that he's happy for him. He is. 
He really is. He's he's proud of him. And I bet that pride comes a little bit from him thinking that, like, he had a part in that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They're so cute. Yay. Speaking of cute, Elle approaches Max outside of her house as she's practicing skateboard tricks. She's worried that Mike is lying to her, and Max confirms that Mike is indeed a piece of shit. Which is fair. Honestly, I think Max thought that before Elle even said anything. So I kind of agree. Yeah, she totally did. I don't think she likes him at all. There was tension there. Yeah. Pretty, immediately. Pretty sure they hate each two. other. Something is going on. She tells Elle that boyfriends lie all the time. Max insists that Elle needs to ignore all of Mike's calls until he apologizes to give him a taste of his own medicine. Give him the medicine <laughs> perfect <laughs> if mike doesn't fix this l needs to dump his ass i love when l walks up to mike or uh max in the street and max is like is she gonna kill me hi <laughs> am i about to die <laughs> i actually was wondering if like because right before l shows up max kind of eats shit so yeah she does i was wondering if l did that that is that is regardless of if she did it or not it's still weird to think that l made max eat shit in season two right. and then upon l approaching max she then proceeds to eat shit again and i feel like like we don't see max fall off her skateboard very often we don't she's pretty good or like can we maybe argue that l pulled her skateboard I, yeah, to her that's what i was thinking like to mm -hmm. get her attention i would love to watch that scene again with that in mind yeah that was my first thought when and Elle like very confidently like picks up the skateboard. Yeah, like she was expecting it to come her direction. Right. So I kind of feel like she might have pulled it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. There's more to life than stupid boys, people. There is. And I love that Elle took one thing that Mike said one time and applies it to all things. That friends don't lie. That's just <laughs> the like, rule. That's the rule of life. That's the first commandment never, in the Bible. Never, ever lie. Correct. It's also the first amendment in the Constitution. That is true. I read it. <laughs> in my my United States class. Yes. <laughs> Funny enough, my, my U.S. government class, I, or like U.S. history or whatever, I, I saw that teacher at the diner like three weeks ago. <laughs> What do you mean teachers don't live at school? Yeah, apparently not. I saw our high school U.S. history teacher at the I diner. teachers lived at school. I know, so weird. <laughs> at the same time, in Mike's basement, he and Lucas discuss Hopper's threat. As Lucas and Mike converse, Will excitedly sets up the D&D &D board. Poor Will. <laughs> Poor Will. Come on, man. Mike groans, but Lucas assures him that they can fix this. Max has dumped him five times. And he's won her back every single freaking time. To Will's dismay, Lucas and Mike head to Starcourt, and Elle and Max do the same. And <laughs> Will, Will's reaction when they go up the stairs, he's like, I'm still here. <laughs> it's okay. But like, can we talk about this for a second? There's no way that from like a writing perspective, it wasn't intentional to leave will in this sidelined mm -hmm. benched situation like yeah something feels too intentional about like i'm still here it's almost like it's meta yeah like 
That, yes, it's right? Meta. Yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of how, that, like, at the end of season one, they used the campaign to sort of be, like, a meta commentary on the show. Yes. Like, how, like, oh, you know, th- the campaign was way too short. Like, mm-hmm. you know. So that's what it feels like. Yeah, it feels like they're being like, oh, yeah, guys, remember remember this kid who's supposed to be, like, the main <laughs> character? <laughs> remember him? Yeah, it, it just feels, though, like they're setting they they're intentionally setting it up for this to start and end with will yes yes which i love i do too i want that me too I th- will deserves it so much i know lucas asks if hopper said he would kill mike and he says no but like he definitely did i mean maybe not to his face what did hopper say i need to know and why would mike actually think that hopper would kill him that's fair I mean, yeah. And why can't Mike just be like, your dad told me that we can't hang out anymore? I, right. I don't. I will never understand why he didn't just tell the truth to Elle. I don't get it. I don't either. Like, what stake does Mike have in not blowing up Hopper's spot? You know? Right. Because, okay, like, if Hopper's like, I will continue to let you date my daughter. But, like, Elle has freaking superpowers. She can do whatever she wants. For some reason, this is reminding me of Chad Michael Murray not recognizing Hillary Duff in a Cinderella story. <laughs> Whoa, who are you? <laughs> when, like, it's very clear that that's fucking Hillary Duff. <laughs> it's just a tiny little mask on her eyes. That's amazing. I actually just recently learned, this is totally off topic, about the Hillary Duff-Lindsay Lohan feud. I had no idea about it. Yeah, they had, like, a whole feud over, like, Chad Michael Murray and Aaron Carter, which, like... You're telling me this like I didn't know, Amanda. I didn't know. <laughs> I really didn't know. I never heard about this. I had no clue they had a feud. To the Instagram user who called Amanda out for not understanding Mike and Will's um, yeah. issue. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. another example. You can roast me for this, too. Apparently, I'm just completely oblivious. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just live in my own world. I'm just here for the Demogorgons. That's a good place to be. You're here for the what? The Demogorgons. <laughs> oh okay <laughs> oh that's right you yes. said that I'm just here for the demogorgons i we're gonna get another hillary duff reference by the way oh are we i love that i love the parallel between these two scenes i actually really never noticed it until this watch through that they're both like yeah we're gonna fix this but they're taking different approaches and then they're like let's yeah. go to the mall <laughs> let yeah you're right they max is like we dump his ass and lucas is like we buy her shit yeah i mean max's method seems to work Lucas's method seems to work. So they have different approaches. They do. And I just want to point out before we move on that Boys and Girls is playing off of the score. And this is the second time we've heard it. It is just this season's iteration of kids. Mm -hmm. There's always an iteration of kids on the score. So Boys and Girls. Adorable. At the Hawkins community pool, the mothers complain about Heather's voice, counting down the minutes until her shift ends. Karen looks around anxiously until she spots Billy heading into the locker room. She follows, finding him with his back to her, and she begins to explain why she stood him up. Billy, who is sweating profusely, turns around abruptly and slams Karen's head into the nearby shelf. Just kidding. It was a disturbing vision. Back in reality, (laughs) he turns around to face her very slowly and demands that she stay away from him before exiting the locker room. Karen is left alone, staring after him. I have a lot of thoughts, as always. Um, 
I know that we are not supposed to condone this adulterous relationship between Billy and Karen, but I really appreciate the tenderness that exists between them. She almost becomes motherly towards him. Motherly, doesn't she? Mm -hmm. She snaps into, please nobody clip this, like, like mommy mode. I don't know. Something about that feels gross, doesn't it? It does. It's... Yeah, I kind of can't believe we haven't, like, discussed this already. But the fact that Billy is, like, you know, moms are really interested in him and he clearly has mommy issues. Yeah. Like, he he basically lost his mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, he needs a mommy. <laughs> I regret saying that. <laughs> Please, nobody do anything with this audio. Thanks. <laughs> but it's, it's so true, though. Like... Karen sees him and seeks him out mm-hmm. to provide to him an explanation that he truthfully doesn't deserve. Yes. And she's the only one besides maybe Susan, just like on the cusp, we've seen show Billy kindness. Yeah. We've never seen any other character show Billy kindness up until this point. Yeah. And Karen's the first one we see do that. And I also think that him telling her to stay away from him, right, is Mm -hmm. an effort on his part to not act on his vision of hurting her. Because how easily could have Karen been Heather? Yeah. The first target, right? Yeah. And she, but she shows him that kindness and he finds it in him to reject what the mind flayer is basically telling him to do. Right. It's just very Freudian. It is. It's We're all, back here. We're back. It's just all Freudian because <sighs> I know. he clearly has positive associations with with the mother figure. Mm-hmm. And she is very apparently a mother figure. Just so happens so. that she's also hot. It just so happens that she's also hot. Yeah. But it's interesting, though, because like later he has the same kind of vision with Heather and she's showing him kindness, too. She's not a mommy. But she's not a mommy. Can we stop saying mommy now? No. <laughs> <laughs> I said, imagine being jealous of a teenage girl because she may be interested in the teenage boy you're interested in. Oh, yeah. And you're like 45. It's so unfortunate it's awful. to see. It makes me wonder, though. It's a spectrum. So what did it take for you to get here? Mm-hmm. You know, as an adult woman who is lusting after a young man whose peers are also attracted to him. Like, why are you, what have, what, how did you get here? What, what did it take? <laughs> what happened? Who hurt you? Literally. I don't know, man. All these, all these women clearly have like terrible husbands. That's my takeaway. Honestly, a bunch of Ted's. Yeah. A bunch of ham sandwiches. A bunch of ham sandwiches and lasagnas without sauce. Also, this should not come as a surprise, but I love Karen's bathing suit and I would like one okay i like a good color block find one right it's pretty cute yeah well you're gonna be karen for halloween and i'm gonna be billy except i'm gonna wear a shirt yeah you should (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) when she walks in on him i think that we're supposed to get the impression you know after watching the season and understanding what's happening i think we're supposed to get the impression that he is looking for chemicals to ingest but we never see billy ingest any chemicals throughout the season he's no. the only flayed person who does not ingest chemicals and my theory is that what he's actually doing 
is looking for ammonia because he's making chloroform. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because she is unconscious in the... I mean, you know, he does kind of, like, strangle her. Doesn't he... Yeah, he does. He does whack her. her on the head? So, I don't know. I mean, maybe he doesn't chloroform her. But when it zooms out, you can see that the bottle he was, like, looking at was yellow. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not bleach. It's ammonia. I think regardless... It is important that he is standing amidst chemicals. Yes, like that's definitely it, a foreshadowing thing. Yeah, it is totally. Yeah, because it's you're just. I mean, and it's a it's a good sneaky thing mm-hmm. because like obviously you're at a pool. There's, there's gonna be chemicals. Right. Which also I made feel me, like the Twenty One Pilots song is oh like, god, which in my head right now also made me wonder if maybe the mind flayer choosing him was not an accident. Because he has access to all that. But also, we never see any sort of indication from the pool that, like, their chemicals are going missing. I don't know if I'm, like, 100% on board with this wrong place, wrong time Billy thing. Same. I don't know. It's it's a struggle for me for reasons. Okay. Reasons. Yeah. I mean, he has a lot of trauma. He does. Yeah. So, let's get there. Let's get there to the trauma. Billy staggers out of the locker room, dazed, disoriented, and still sweating. He stumbles through the crowded pool, eventually making his way to the lifeguard stand. He finally takes a seat, but is breathing heavily and staring up at the beating sun, which is really no good, because in case you forgot, he likes it cold. So the pool's not going to work. This is the worst job. No, this is like the absolute worst job for somebody possessed by the Mind Flayer. (laughs) You know what? Yeah, I take back what I said. The Mind Flayer would be really dumb to choose Billy. (laughs) Backpedal, backpedal. Yeah, that didn't make any sense. If you all are applying to be a lifeguard, but you're also possessed by the Mind Flayer, and it's like getting to be that time of year around here where people are like applying to be lifeguards. If you are also possessed by the Mind Flayer, I would just strongly suggest you do not apply. Yeah. Go for something inside. Yeah. Or, like, be, like, a spirit Halloween employee (laughs) in the fall. (laughs) I feel like that would work out well, like, if you're going to be a seasonal employee. They start hiring in, like, July, so go for it. You know who would have been the perfect candidate here to be possessed by the Mind Flayer? Who? Constantly working around cold things? Steve. He works at an ice cream shop. He works with ice cream. (laughs) Mind flayer with an ice cream employee. He just like lay in the freezer. (laughs) Just cover himself in ice cream. (laughs) This scene just made me think, you ever been this drunk? (laughs) I feel like it's just like when you're starting to kind of black out, you're like losing time a little bit and like everything's blurry and you're just like, oh God. What have I done? (laughs) (laughs) And there's like two minds going at the same. There's the one that's like not drunk, but then there's the drunk mind. It's like, like, we've made a fatal error. (laughs) This is fun. But your sober mind is like, oh, dear God, this is a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) What have you done? (laughs) Also, I had to laugh when Heather is like, looking good, Billy. He does not look good (laughs) at all. (laughs) Okay. But to be fair, this man's eyeballs Mm -hmm. in these scenes. Yeah look like i am in i don't know the amazon rainforest and we are on a jungle cruise down the water and there are leaves and the sky is blue and the water is the same color as the sky but just a little bit greener because it's very mossy on the base of a a river jungle (laughs) jungle river that is what 
Dacre's eyes look like they in do. these scenes. They look like. Hope I painted that picture for you all. They look like we're in a Wattpad story and he has blue orbs. <laughs> blue piercing orbs. Yeah. Teal piercing orbs. Is this a fanfic? Is this a fanfic? Have we stumbled into a Dacre Montgomery fanfic? His icy blue orbs stood, stared through me. A ghost of a smile danced on his My lips. My God. Okay, I'm done. Anyway, also, just like before we move on, generally a weird thing to say to your coworker, don't tell them they're looking good. That's a surefire no. way to get yourself HR'd. HR'd. I've been HR'd. <laughs> been HR'd. I've been human resourced. <laughs> Me and my coworkers have what we call, it's not real, it's a theoretical thing, uh, the HR jar, which is like, mm. we've decided that we should start this and like put a dollar in it every time someone says something weird. We do oh that my a God. lot. <laughs> Please. <laughs> love my job that's great at scoops ahoy erica annoys robin by asking for an inordinate amount of free samples in the back room steve and dustin attempt to translate the code so far having only written out the russian alphabet on robin's whiteboard deleting precious data honestly steve recognizes the music in the recording but can't place it robin comes in demanding steve get to work she reveals that she's heard everything they've said about the supposed Russian plot, and she insists that she might be able to help because she's fluent in four languages. Dustin asks if one of the languages is Russian, and Robin begins speaking Pig Latin, dingus. She and Steve swap the ice cream scoop for the tape recorder, and Robin gets to work translating. There's a really, like, bouncy-sounding song playing here. Mm-hmm. That doesn't exist, okay? But our soundtrack dealer, first of the season, has it for us on YouTube. They're back. And they have dubbed it, Trust Me. I like it. And it's it's a cute little bouncy ball song. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what Robin says in Pig Latin? I'm sure if I thought about it long enough, I could come up with it, but I don't. She says, you are dumb. (laughs) (laughs) is robin the only person to knock dustin down a few pegs i think so and he needs it he needs it yeah it's his tone it's his tone (laughs) i just feel like she's the only one who checkmates dustin's intellectual superiority yes his elitism yeah, she just puts him right in his place and actually makes him seem dumb compared to her. Which makes me so happy because it's such a great, like, reversal of this trope because she, we find out in season four, comes from a poor family. Mm-hmm. Um, she is kind of a nerd. Like, I mean, Dustin mm-hmm. is too, but like, you know, she's sort of a social outcast and, and doesn't really come from a lot, doesn't have a driver's license, any of this stuff. And Dustin clearly comes from a, a decently well-off family i don't know what claudia does for a living i don't know what the hell she's doing she's probably the only lawyer in town i don't know and, <laughs> imagine and uh still robin checks him all the time and i love that she's such a great addition to the show too mm-hmm. because her character is not redundant like they didn't just add another of somebody that we already had right yeah she's just like a very unique addition to the show and i also feel like to your point we're kind of getting like a i didn't know what what do they say in Susie? do you copy like i didn't know girls do what like when they were talking about Susie. oh yeah they're like i forget the no girl is that perfect like she's like good at no girl's like hot and a genius yeah yeah yeah, that's what it is and we're just really getting a lot of things to the contrary Mm -hmm. right we're getting robin kind of upstaging dustin and it's it's been 
two whole seasons and we've not really seen anybody upstage Dustin. Yeah. And then we have Nancy going off on her, you know, brigade. And we have this new character we don't know yet exactly, but Susie now has this reputation. So it's just, we're getting a lot of this. And Erica later. And Erica and then Joyce. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's consistent. Yeah, the women in this this chapter, or this season are, mm-hmm. like, on fire. In a, they are. In a good this way. girl is on is fire. On fire. <laughs> she is on fire. The girl on fire. <laughs> Nancy and Jonathan arrive at Mrs. Driscoll's house. They say they're from the Hawkins Post, and she invites them in. Mrs. Driscoll brings them down to her basement, where she shows them the bags of fertilizer that have been torn open and eaten, supposedly, by rabid rats. Rogue robots. Nancy is skeptical until Mrs. Driscoll reveals that she caught one of the little bastards. Anybody else feel like Mrs. Driscoll murdered her husband? Yes. Okay. I didn't write that, but yes. Making sure it's not just no. me. She's like, I like the quiet. <laughs> and then she brings them to her basement. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Something's up with Mrs. Driscoll. I don't trust this woman. She's a little saucy, I think. I like her, though. Me too. If, if any of you out there have ever played a Nancy Drew computer game. Oh, my like God. Like Marina has. Many, many of them. I have my collection right <laughs> next to me. This whole scene of Doris, like, walking them through the house and talking about her life and how she used to like the quiet and, you know, before she leads them to the basement, it just reminds me of, like, an exposition cut scene from one of those games. Like, where Mm -hmm. you meet, like, the main person who's, like, complaining about the problem that you're there to fix. (laughs) Right. And they're like, this little town ain't seen nothing until we, you know, got... (laughs) I don't know, they're, like, always, like, please. (laughs) They're always, like, some random, like townie who is like explaining the whole town's history to you yeah yeah (laughs) and you're just like okay where's the demon dogs just like yeah like just send me to yes exactly that's and that's such a good like comparison to even draw just because we have nancy and we have nancy drew here Mm -hmm. and in the next so true chapter is the case of the missing lifeguard which feels very intentionally named it feels just slightly like the actual title of a Nancy Drew novel. Yes, literally. <laughs> so, love that. And also, I would just like to ask, why Mrs. Driscoll has so much fertilizer? She's making a bomb. Fertilizing her, co- her corpses. She's making a bomb. That's got to be it. That's how she killed her husband. <laughs> a bomb? You can do that with fertilizer. <laughs> Where did she set off this bomb to kill her husband? I don't know. In the backyard? I don't know. <laughs> don't mind that. Well, she is kind of on cornwallis yeah and we know that that's kind of an abandoned area there's nothing at this, out there. like and i'm but i mean her husband died 10 years ago that's what i'm saying she could have set off the bomb in her house 10 years ago she had plenty of time to clean it back, clean it back up <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know what i'm saying i'm just wondering why she has so much fertilizer <laughs> she's gotta get the plants going yeah maybe she's it's just, planting she's time just a plant lady like me although it's totally not planting time oh yeah it's the summer it's july june yeah july 1st yeah it's like july late june early july. june 29th like i don't know whatever it is but yeah it's not planting time i want to again i don't know why nancy i love her outfit this chapter but i kind of hate her i don't know why is she getting mad at jonathan for photographing the the actual reason why they're there what else is he supposed to do that's his job literally as a journalist he is photographing what nancy plans to write right. about that makes why sense. is she getting annoyed i don't and know rolling her eyes i do not understand nancy is really her attitude is wild she, yeah she's like 
Jonathan is like bitch eating crackers for her this chap like everything he does he can't do anything right bitch eating crackers you've never heard that? I've never heard that what the hell is that <laughs> okay you know when somebody is just annoying you but they're not doing anything to explicitly annoy you so like even something as simple as them eating crackers pisses you off yeah <laughs> okay that's bitch eating crackers I love that what are you doing like here? you're breathing and i need you to be lower please stop doing that like please breathe less <laughs> okay just quickly from urban dictionary everything this person does annoys you even something as simple as eating crackers oh. kim look at erica over there reading that book so annoying so like this is the girls at the <laughs> pool the women at the yes. pool who are pissed at Heather for just simply like speaking. So would you refer to Heather as a bitch eating crackers? Or you call them Uh yes, Heather is the bitch eating oh, okay, crackers. Okay. I wasn't no, sure. No, she's not a bitch, but she's eating crackers. I wasn't sure how to use it in a sentence, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Can you use that in a sentence? Yeah. It's a spelling bee. Outside of City Hall, angry um Hawkins Tonians? Hawk Hawkinsonians. Hawkinsonians? I don't know. <laughs> Hawkinsites? Hawkins residents. We'll just say that. Citizens of Hawkins. They chant about Klein being a swine, which, by the way, that's a horrible <laughs> chant. They're like, Klein's a swine. Klein's a swine. Why not just say, Klein's a swine? Hello? Do we have rhythm in this town? Where's the metronome? Like, somebody get it. Where's the musicians in this town? They must be appalled. <laughs> Because that's terrible. <laughs> Klein's a swine. You guys need a better chant. <laughs> or someone to lead you in the chant. Or what about like, Klein is a swine. Yeah. Klein is a swine. That would be good too. Klein's a swine is just bad. <laughs> Can we stop saying that now? Klein's a swine. <laughs> anyway. In case you guys weren't aware, this is a another um, Starcourt Study Hall adult beverage episode. So, sorry. Klein's a swine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> They're protesting Starcourt Mall and the effect that it has had on Hawkins' downtown. For a reason unbeknownst to us at this time, the Terminator walks through the hallway <laughs> as Hopper waits for Mayor Larry Klein, the swine. Once in his office, Klein and Hop discuss capitalism and the right to protest and, you know, just like America in general. You know? <laughs> Eagles. Eagles. All that America stuff. <laughs> Klein wants Hop to make the protesters leave because they didn't secure permits. But Hopper insists that this would hurt his chances at re-election. Klein has a plan, though. He's throwing a big 4th of July bash, and that's all the voters will remember anyway, right? I have a very important question. What is it? Where has this man been? His town <laughs> has been in supernatural chaos for the better part of two years. He is the mayor of Hawkins. And he's really bad at we it. He clearly... <laughs> We have not seen this man in the two years that this town has been in chaos. Yeah. There have been there have been demogorgons traversing Hawkins. <laughs> Just walking around. Demodogs everywhere. An entire mind flare, a whole <laughs> lab. <laughs> Where has Mayor Klein been? In his office, golfing. Look, yeah, right. Looking at his eagle portrait on the wall, <laughs> and smoking a cigar. Smoking cigars. Yeah, I am just dumbfounded that this man is just showing himself as if that's how writing a show works. Yep. Where has he been? 
where has he been on vacation i don't understand the whole time shouldn't he be like on the front lines like the captain of the titanic here like he goes down with his ship i think you need to like actually care about your job to do that so well i don't want to say this and get political but i don't think any of this is coincidental considering what was going on at the time that the season was released i agree yeah i agree i think that was definitely a meta kind of nod a nudge to the nonsense yeah america america (laughs) l and max disembark the bus and arrive at starcourt mall nervous about all the people l hesitates and states that this is against the rules max says you have superpowers what's the worst that can happen oh i don't know max why don't you tell us hmm Hmm. foreshadowing to be fair she didn't have superpowers (laughs) true L smiles and the two head inside as Starcourt off the season three score plays. Yay! L takes in her surroundings and admits to Max that she's never been shopping. The two run into the nearby gap. Mike, Lucas, and Will arrive at the same time, just missing the girls as they disappear into the store. I just think that Max's statement about L's superpowers is very prophetic because she loses her superpowers in this exact location oh, yeah. at the end of the season. Oh my gosh, that's right. Yeah, so yeah, Max, a lot can go wrong. A lot. Yeah. At this place. I also thought it was kind of funny that we see like Lucas and Mike talking about what to get Elle. Mm-hmm. And Mike is like, I don't understand. Am I buying something that literally says I'm sorry? And he doesn't really get how a gift can say I'm sorry. But then suddenly he mm-hmm. becomes a gift giver. Oh, interesting. It's almost like Lucas, who we know his dad knows how to keep his mom happy because yeah. women are always right. It's almost <laughs> like Lucas knows exactly what to do. And teaches Mike. He has a good example at home. He does. Lucas's family is, they know what they're doing. They're the most happy family in Hawkins <laughs> so far, so. <laughs> Seriously. Ugh. Yeah, I just think that's funny. Like, he clearly wasn't always like that. Mm-hmm. Something that literally says, I'm sorry? No. No. <laughs> no, not like that. No, Mike. I mean, I guess no. that's, like, sort of cute, right? Like, if you get, like, I mean, at that age, right? Like, if, if you were to get, like, a teddy bear with, like, a little heart that says, I'm sorry, like, okay, I could buy mm-hmm. that at, like, 12 or 13, fine. Yeah. But, yeah. Inside the gap, Elle moves eagerly through the clothing racks and stares up at a mannequin wearing a video rental store carpet. <laughs> accurate max asks her if she likes the shirt but Elle is confused and not sure how she's supposed to know what she likes max says that she just needs to try things on until she finds something that feels like not hopper <laughs> not mike you <laughs> not me not hermione you <laughs> i actually spelled you y-u-e-u-h <laughs> i guess you <laughs> the phonetic British accent. Phonetic British spelling. <laughs> I'm so sorry for our friends in the UK listening to this. That is, we, we are embarrassing. We are like, so I cannot. We love you if you live there. I did a southern accent earlier. Don't tell me we about need embarrassing. To, <laughs> we need to not do accents. We need to stop Somebody doing record that. themselves doing our accents, whatever those are. Yeah, please make fun of us. We're from New Jersey. American Go New ahead. Jersey. <laughs> but they both needed this. Ellen and Max both severely needed a, a girlfriend. They did. They really did need that kind of companion. I think so. And it's so sad that Elle was never given the autonomy to know what she likes. She has no idea. She doesn't have tastes because she's never been given the opportunity. Nope. No. no. She's just been in survival mode literally since she was born. 
Yeah, and she wore sweatsuits. Yes. Government-issued sweatsuits. Yes. The government-issued groutfit. The groutfit. Yes. So back at Melville's, Joyce cosplays as a work-study student who is majoring in electromagnetic theory. Overwhelmed, she decides to abandon her post, which, like, is your shift over? Like, <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, <laughs> bye. I'm just going to leave now. I'm the only person who works here. So, bye. And she seeks out the brilliant Mr. Scott Clark, who is painting figurines in his garage and blasting My Bologna by Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> My Bologna. Does it have a first name? Has a first name. <laughs> what is it? It's O-S-C-A-R. O-S-C-A-R. No. <laughs> Come on. I know that spells Oscar. <laughs> I'm just being silly. After seeing Scott Clark, I am very salty still over his complete omission from season four. I have the exact same note, and I also have a suggestion for us. Ooh, okay. I think when we cover season four, God help us all. Oh, God. We should do a segment for each chapter about how Mr. Clark could have been incorporated. Yes. I love it. Because he... Right? He deserves a spot in season four, whether the writers think so or not. <laughs> he is critical yeah. he is mr feeney somebody bring him all the way to college for these kids for somehow real. like all of a sudden oh <laughs> i'm a professor <laughs> at the school now <laughs> so weird yeah i agree we need to do that he needs to be back i had to point out that when joyce is like ringing scott clark's doorbell he is doing the same thing that Erica was doing in season four when Jason rings the doorbell, painting a tiny figurine. Yes, he is. Yep. The next time we see someone painting a model, it's Erica in season four. Yep. Pretty, yep. pretty cool. Yep, yep, yep. I also just want to know why we've never shipped Mr. Clark and Joyce. Hmm. I feel like they'd be fun. Yeah, I don't I don't see why not. They'd be an interesting I mean, couple. They would be. I think he would be good for Will to have Will would around. Will would either love it or think it is the most embarrassing thing ever. I can't tell. Why? Okay, so this this is another thing that happens twice in this in this chapter. Why did I feel like my parents dating my teachers was going to be a lot larger of a problem <laughs> than it ended up being? Does that feel like something that happens? Yes. Yes, that's a huge trope. Like in Princess Diaries that happens. Yes. It felt like a massive, that it was going to be a huge issue. I was like, oh, God. And it just. Hope my mom doesn't date any of my teachers. Yeah, like like quicksand. Like people yeah. say, like, I thought quicksand <laughs> or like the floor being lava was going to be like a way bigger issue than it turned out being. Just Mostly just quicksand. Never a problem. You could encounter quicksand at any time. I've literally never encountered quicksand. Anytime. And I really thought this would be an everyday occurrence for me. <laughs> yep. Yep. Quicksand. Careful. It's right there. Yep. It's always lurking. <laughs> you never know when it's gonna just jump out yeah it happens jonathan attempts to photograph the caged rat that little bastard in mrs driscoll's basement while nancy calls local farms in an attempt to get more information about the missing fertilizer he notices that the rat is all of a sudden convulsing but nancy rushes him along because she thinks that she has a lead they leave and the rat explodes into fleshy rat goo and begins mm. to it's it's way right through the bars of the cage hold on everybody take a second if you're in your car if you're listening in your airpods turn up to maximum volume or don't <laughs> if you hate asmr i'm so sorry because i also do <laughs> and then we want you to comment and spell 
Yeah. Can somebody give us a spelling for that? <laughs> Please. The rat explodes. It does that. Goes through the, the bars of the cage. You know, just crawls away like a normal rat goo would. And then the captions read, goo snarling. <laughs> Didn't know goo had like vocal cords. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How is it snarling? It's like how the gate growls. Can we talk also about how the goo still has the rat tail? Yeah, it's gross. It's so disgusting. It's disgusting. It's awful. Okay, speaking of Mrs. Driscoll, like, maybe being a murderer, I genuinely <laughs> thought that she was poisoning Nancy with that lemonade the first time I watched this. Mm. I was like, Nancy, don't do it! <laughs> she didn't, though. Mrs. Driscoll is a perfect example of the introduction of a character simply to kill them off. Yeah. Like Fred and Chrissy. I just... How did Jonathan think that nothing was going on with this rat before it turns to go it's literally just like killing itself but he did think something was going on with the rat he was trying to tell nancy he was like oh, i think something's really wrong with this rat and nancy was like yeah no shit yeah but like i feel like he could have again protested a little harder and be like no seriously this rat's like having a seizure no look at this rat please view the rat the rat yeah i agree the rat is convulsing it's exploding hello <laughs> <laughs> in that order <laughs> yeah good point conviction right he has none no spine Klein's a swine <laughs> Klein's a spine <laughs> canceled we're canceled <laughs> spines a Klein. <laughs> anyway <laughs> i just want to say before we move on i actually find jonathan's character in this scene when he's trying to photograph the rat and it won't stop moving and he gets a little feisty yeah. with it i like to see that side of him right i'm like a little bit like all right like seeing that feistier more aggressive side of him it's nice to see i liked it turns out he like can have an opinion or like emote yeah like <laughs> anything yeah that's that's a common theme with our men in this show Mm, mm-hmm. that they can't express yeah and i just gotta say sort of as we mentioned the sound design in this scene is just so incredibly amazing and also disgusting disgust so gross goo snarling goo snarling back in the upside down our two billies are having a chat <laughs> billy is asking billy what he wants billy tells billy that he wants him to build continuing to speak in riddles billy tells billy to build what you see but Billy does not understand the assignment, saying, I don't understand. <laughs> I literally wrote, Q Marina. <laughs> Is this where Fred dies? Okay. Are we going to pull out the map? I quite literally wrote that this really looks like the exact location where Fred... Is it where he dies or where you see his car crash flashback? I mean, aren't they like kind of the same place? Are they in the same spot? Pretty much. But it's also interesting because we see same thing with like the Fred thing. Mm -hmm. Seeing the, like the the army or the horde reminded me of him seeing all of the like the flashback, the vision of all the people approaching him in the forest. Yeah, like the funeral you know goers. What talking about? Yeah, it reminded me of that too. Yeah, yeah, a lot of parallels here. It it really looks like it. It does. It's such a similar looking spot we would have to look at the the, the hawkins map <laughs> there's some stuff on there and i'm like how did you even determine I deduce yeah <laughs> i think this is the chapter where i feel like i said this already but we're getting true 
Vecna, like mm-hmm. to me personally. And I think that's partially because we are getting a cognizant plan from whatever is the entity, whoever is the entity, whichever entity is calling the shots. I feel like we can finally commit to a true sentience. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, the Demogorgon was acting as a predator, right? Mm -hmm. It's, like, the consensus, I think. The Mind Flayer in Season 2, before we had the context of 3 and 4, feels like a a weed or, like, a virus that's just dominating because it's its its instinct to dominate. No different than, like, like a fungus. Like a spotted lanternfly. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Like an invasive species. That is exactly it. That's what the mind flayer felt like. So we have a we have a predator, we have an invasive species. But this this thing telling Billy to build what you see, it is like an explicit instruction, like an order mm-hmm. from like a general. A five-star general? A five-star general. <laughs> we'll see. So, I don't know. I agree. It's spooky. To me this is yeah, it's Ve- Vecna. I think he's here. I do too. I, I can't believe we became Vecna truthers. I don't want to talk about it. We're not Vecna truthers. We're not. We're not. Because if we were Vecna truthers, we would think that the Vecna sicked the Demogorgon on Will. Yeah. And I don't believe I that. don't actually Sorry. believe that. Even though I argued that in the first season, I don't actually <laughs> believe it. Anyway. On another note, Billy talking to Billy in the Upside Down is really giving... Hillary Duff singing a duet with Hillary Duff in the Lizzie McGuire movie. Hey now. Hey now. <laughs> and then there's the one part where it's like clearly not her singing. <laughs> <laughs> so we flash back to Billy, who is actually sitting atop his lifeguard stand, and he snaps out of his disturbing vision. His skin starts to literally start burning off of his arm. Gross. So he stumbles back to the locker room, ignoring Heather, who tries to ask him if he's okay. He stands in the shower to cool off, but the veins in his arm begin to turn black. Heather finds him distressed and soaked. He hallucinates her telling him to take me to him, but quickly snaps out of it and realizes she's asking him if he's hurt. Rather than replying, he attacks her. This is the clock. It's here. We get the clock chime pretty much from him coming down off the lifeguard stand. And it only happens like, three or four times i gotta listen and yes it could be a synthesizer but regardless it does happen and it sounds like that really warped Mm. sounding clock in season four oh my gosh like the droney chime it's so good i gotta listen i know it's there francesca real who plays heather incredible job in the scene i just think Mm -hmm. it's so how does she make her stare so vacant I don't know. It's eerie. It's very eerie. She like turn like turns off the focus on her eyes or something. I don't. That's know. a good way to put it. Yeah, like she like defocuses her eyes. Like she's just looking at nothing. It's so weird. Yeah, I feel like there's something happening, and I only thought of it because you mentioned her eyes and how they go like vacant. I feel like we're getting we because this is the scene where we really see Billy's eyes, right? Mm-hmm. We really see the green and like the blue. Yeah, I just. And then later on in the final scene of this chapter, we see him watching what's happening to Heather. And it looks like if you look closely enough, it reminds me a little bit of Alexi at the end of Susie, Do You Copy? Mm. Where there's almost like an awareness or like an, I don't like this, but I can't stop it. Yeah. 
And I feel like that's similar to what we saw with Will in uh, season two, where his eyes went kind of vacant when he was possessed by the mind flayer. But if something was going to give away that he was in there, it was his eyes. So I don't know, just something about Billy's eyes, this chapter, give away the fact that he is in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's just he can't get out at this point he's definitely still fairly dominant in there like he Mm -hmm. he can still be himself but i feel like his flayed or his flaying happens much faster and much less gradually than will's possession yeah i mean this is only what like the next day less than 24 hours later and he's like unable to fight it in a very jarring change of scene we're back at Starcorp Mall. Yay! Hooray! <laughs> Max and Elle are trying on all sorts of clothes as Madonna's material girl plays. So fun. Meanwhile, Mike struggles to find Elle an I'm sorry present, pricing a tiny silver bear at $300. I mean, y'all went into Zales. I don't, I don't know what you were looking yeah. for. The boys stumble upon a lingerie store and flee in pure horror. <laughs> <laughs> Will in particular. Yeah, Will in particular. <laughs> As Mike, Lucas, and Will test perfumes, the girls do an absolutely fabulous 80s photo shoot, try on high heels, and they garner some eye rolls from Stacy and her mean girl friends. In the food court, Elle uses her powers to explode a milkshake all over Stacy, which she totally deserved, and Will once again is asking if we can just play D&D now. I have a couple questions, but same. I just want to know how Elle is buying the clothes. Where is this money? Where are they getting money from? Does Hopper give her an allowance? To do what? She's not allowed to go anywhere. (laughs) Did he have to, like, teach her about currency? (laughs) Do you remember, like, in first grade, like, learning the value of the coins and all that? Yeah. Did she do worksheets? Did Hopper, like, get, like, a play cash register with, like, (laughs) plastic coins and little paper monies? Maybe they had that in in the Hawkins, or the the Hawkins Lab preschool. The lab. (laughs) Hawkins Lab preschool. (laughs) Yikes. You don't sign your kid up for that. No. We just take them and put them there. Yeah, free preschool. I think after seeing this scene and seeing that absolutely fabulous 80s thong on that mannequin, it is satin and it has the pattern of the, the carpet, like the video store carpet. I don't know. New merch idea? A thong? Yeah, satin thongs. We should do it. An, a satin SSH thong? Yeah. <laughs> Just a thong with the Starcourt Study Hall logo. No, it can say he needed a mommy. Please. (laughs) I would like to no longer be a part of this project. Can it say entry hole? (laughs) I'm so sorry. All right, everybody. This has been chapter two of season three, The Mall Rats. We're done. Um, We are done. We still have like six more scenes, but I'm going to call it there. No MVP, no LVP, no MRM. We're done. Good night. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Anyway, I'm once again stating that I am obsessed with Elle's outfits and I would like all of them. I think it would be really fun to also be them for Halloween. I don't know how we would be both Billy and Karen and Max and Elle for Halloween, but I think we could probably do like an outfit change. I was going to say mid-party costume change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can do it. I think Elle exploding this milkshake beverage all over Stacy suddenly makes the milkshake fiasco at Rinkomania feel a little bit like karma. Oh, okay. But Stacy had it coming though. She totally did. She did. She was being really mean for no reason. I did a deep dive into Taco Bell history. I love that (laughs) so much. Are you ready? I am so ready because as a person who has an album on my phone filled with pictures of Baja Blasts that I have drank, I am excited about this. 
<laughs> I don't know why. I feel like that's something I should know about you. I know. That's kind of weird, right? Out. I don't really know why. I, start, I just started doing that at the beginning of this year. Every time we got Taco Bell, I would just like be like, I have to take a picture with the spa blast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> All right. Me and my Bob. Literally, it's full of those. <laughs> I hope you like make a collage or yeah, something. Yeah, that's my plan. <laughs> okay. Taco Bell history. So the reason why I bring this up is because when the girls, when Max and Ella are running through the food court, you can see a Taco Bell coming soon sign behind them. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to know, like, is that true? Would that have made sense? And PepsiCo bought Taco Bell in 1978. Okay. okay. And they began to convert restaurants called Zantigo, hmm. which was their current Mexican food franchise, like their fast food Mexican franchise, okay. into Taco Bells. So they were making this conversion of all these Zantigos into Taco Bells. Now, there was an article that was linked from the Wikipedia article from the Courier Journal out of Kentucky from September of 1986. Okay. And it says... Under the agreement, the Zantigo's restaurants will be operated as Taco Bell restaurants. Hooray! Okay, so this this whole conversion took place. And it said, several locations in the Midwestern United States were converted from Zantigo, which PepsiCo acquired in 1986, to Taco Bell. And since Pepsi already owned the national Mexican food chain, the decision was made to... Although you need to cut this out because I'm saying the same thing over and over <laughs> That they used to be Zantigos and now they're Taco Bell. (laughs) So the point is that it would have been pretty historically accurate for Taco Bell to be coming to Starcourt in this time frame. That makes sense. Yeah, because they were going to the Midwest, which is where Indiana is. Correct. (laughs) What are we doing? (laughs) Gotta wrap it up. Marina's giving me the wrap it up signal. Anyway, I just have to say, behind the boys in the mall... There is a lovely Monstera plant, and it is thriving. There, it is beautiful. It, right? I it's saw so it, and nice. I thought of you immediately. <laughs> it's so nice. I was like, I'm not putting a note, because Amanda's going to talk about the Monstera. Yeah, I'm glad you knew that, because they look so nice. Anyway, back at Scoops Ahoy, Robin and Dustin continue to plug away at translating the Russian message. They determine that the first sentence is, the week is long. Steve serves ice cream to Elle and Max, who run away laughing when Steve asks if Elle is supposed to be there. Did you notice that Steve gives Elle her ice cream and says extra whipped cream, but there's no whipped cream on it? Yeah, it looks like she got the waffle cone and then the ice cream is like really low in there. And then like it's just deep like deep in there. It's like the whole top is whipped cream or something. Whipped cream. It's just strange. It's really weird. I just had to say today on Unlikely Animal Friends, the two random girls talked to Steve. <laughs> And it is so fucking random. I literally wrote, I'm trying to imagine this information chain. Like, how does like, Steve know that? How does Steve know? He has to know from Dustin, yeah. right? Right. Yes. Unlikely animal friends. 100%. Yes. Two random girls. Because how, like, I think Max actually talks to Steve more than Elle ever does. Nobody met, Steve didn't even meet Elle until the gate. Yeah. <laughs> that was the first time he ever, like, saw her. He even saw yeah. her. So weird. There's just so many. It's so funny because, like, it's an ensemble cast of so many main ish characters, but there's so many of them who, like, never interact. Who have no reason to be directly communicating. It's very odd. So, like, Jonathan and Max. Yeah. Why would they ever speak? 
what do they have to say to each other at all? There's a Demogorgon. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is a Demogorgon. Turn around. <laughs> It's so strange. Just a bunch of random children with a bunch of random teenagers. So bizarre. As the girls swap ice cream cones, which, by the way, ew, on their way out of the mall, they encounter Mike, Lucas, and Will. Mike drops his bike, shocked to find Eleven out and about. He demands to know what she's doing at the mall. Ew. Okay, Dad. But Max comes to Elle's defense. Mike continues to insist that his Nana is sick, and they're at the mall to shop for her. But also, they came to find a gift for Elle. She sadly asks Mike why he lies, but he has nothing to say. Just as the bus pulls up, Elle approaches Mike and dumps his ass. <laughs> Cold as ice by foreigner plays as the girls embark on the bus, leaving the boys shocked. Will is once again asking, now can we play D&D? <laughs> no, Will. <laughs> Sorry. You can't play D&D. Sorry, your girlfriend the game just is canceled. dumped your ass, but... <laughs> No. <laughs> he looks so relieved when Elle says, I dump your ass. That makes sense. Yeah. Like, I watched the scene focusing solely on Will <laughs> because he's, like, out of focus for most of I it. I know. He's, like, behind them. He is hilarious to watch because he, he like, looks like, could it be? Could <laughs> this be happening? My day has come. Like, he looks relieved when Elle dumps Mike. Yikes. Mike's face when L is like like asking about if he's lying is so infuriating. His face is just so like smug almost. It is smug. Smug is the word. Yeah. It's like I don't know. Like like he's almost being like a martyr. Like he looks kind of sad but also sort of smug. Like he's imagining that like L is supposed to like say something. I don't know. It's very weird. Yeah, he really rubs me the wrong way this entire chapter. Me too. Mike does. Bad vibes. Bad vibes. Bad place. Also, when Will asks if we can now play D&D, if you notice, there's a big old Lynx truck right behind them. Proof, in case you were all wondering, that you are supposed to watch this show multiple times. Mm -hmm. Because at this point, we've heard nothing about a silver cat. No. So we would have no reason at this point on first watch to be like, What's that? Yeah, never. It just looks like a delivery truck at the mall, yep, which makes perfect sense. The silver cat. Mm-hmm. Back at City Hall, Hopper is arresting an angry man for protesting without a permit. Flo approaches with a delivery for him, a bitchin' new shirt for his dinner with Joyce. Powell teases Hopper, saying that the shirt is, uh, quite colorful. But Hopper <laughs> insists that it's cutting edge. <laughs> it's cutting edge! <laughs> Later that night, Hopper waits for Joyce at Enzo's. He orders some scotch, a full bottle of red wine, and two glasses of the Chianti. <laughs> <laughs> the Chianti. Yes, the Chianti. I do love this look for Hopper, though. Another shirt from the season that I would like. It really is good. It's a great shirt. and It is a good shirt. I would 100% wear that. I think it's on Amazon. It probably is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have, like, a question from a logistics perspective. Did Klein raise the taxes on the small businesses to fund the Starcourt project? Is that what we're supposed to understand? That's what it seems like because, it, he, like, this guy who Hopper's arresting, he's, like, a small business owner, right? And Yeah, he's, like, he raised our taxes. Right. Like, was that, like you said, like, meant to fund the, the mall or, like, was it to, uh, I don't know, incentivize? Like, destabilize? Or yeah, like you said, yeah, like destabilize the small businesses purposely. 
yeah like i'm just trying to figure out what the the order of operations was here right yeah i don't know i don't know either but i kind of I, I mean i don't kind of i do i feel bad for this man same and i feel bad for hopper because he's in a shitty position like he doesn't want to arrest these people no like you next you gotta go through the proper channels first which like yeah you can like feel hopper's eye roll even when he's saying that like you know he doesn't want to be saying it there's also like three other people in the back of that squad car (laughs) (laughs) he shoves the guy in there and there's like already two people in the back of the car (laughs) yeah we're we're short on space here it's a lot of people to arrest i know Meanwhile, in Mr. Clark's garage, Joyce is learning all about electromagnetic fields, having clearly forgotten about her not date with Harp. They have constructed their very own Clark Byers electromagnetic field. Joyce asks what this means for the magnets on her fridge and at Melville's, and Mr. Clark suggests apophenia. She's seeing patterns that aren't there. Okay, gaslighter. Honestly, Mr. (laughs) Clark, please, maybe you don't belong in season four. Right, get out of here. Come on, Scott. Let's be real. (laughs) He proceeds to tell her that if it isn't purely coincidence, that would mean that a massive machine sustained by billions of volts of electricity and costing tens of millions of dollars must exist somewhere in Hawkins. Wonder what that could be. Why would the magnets fall off the fridge, but the fridge magnet would still function? Say that again? The the magnet that keeps the fridge closed. (laughs) That's a great point. (laughs) Why? I don't know. Would that be happening? Right. Shouldn't the fridge swing open too? Right. And not be closed. Yeah. That's a great point. Mm. I did not think about that. Nancy Drew. We need her. Also, Joyce never seems to mention that when she tries to put the magnets back, they fall off. Right. Which essentially just implies that the magnet is just not functioning whatsoever. Right. Like that feels like a really important detail to let Mr. Clark know about. Maybe she told him. And he was just like, no, that's crazy. (laughs) That didn't happen. (laughs) Silly girl. But also, like, has nobody else been having this problem? I mean, even if they were, though, like, I don't know. Who would you tell? Would anybody think twice? Is that what you're like? Yeah. Like, if my magnets fell off my fridge, I'd be like, ugh, Bernie. Like, (laughs) knock my magnets down. But then when you tried to put them back up and they didn't, wouldn't you be like, I would definitely be suspicious. But, like. Like what do you would you call the police? Like what what would you do? Hello. Like hello. Nine one one. Nine one one. My magnets <laughs> fell off my fridge. <laughs> Ma'am. And they won't go back on. This line needs to stay open for emergencies. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I agree. I think this probably is a problem that has affected other people, but how would Joyce know about it? Like Yeah, Joyce has like she knows when the magnets are fucked that something is fucked. Mm -hmm. She's like, I've been here before, magnets. I think I've seen this film before, and I didn't like the ending. (laughs) Back at Starcourt, which is now closed, Dustin, Steve, and Robin have so far translated The Week is Long, The Silver Cat Feeds, When Blue Meets Yellow in the West, and that's it. They lock up Scoops Ahoy and debate whether or not the message is nonsense or a super secret spy code. Robin thinks the translation is legit. In fact, she's like 100% sure. She's like, I know my translation's right. She is not even yeah. wavering on that. And she and Dustin agree. Evil Russians. Mm-hmm. Steve falls back and all of a sudden is distracted by the Indiana Flyer mechanical horse ride. Daisy Bell starts to play and Dustin immediately recognizes the music from the background of the recorded transmission. The trio quickly deduces that the code didn't come from Russia. It came from Hawkins. Okay. Did anybody else feel... Like, being locked in the mall overnight was going to be a lot bigger of a problem than it ended up being. <laughs> Another one of those. I didn't think, like, the mall specifically, but, like, stores in general, yes. <laughs> it felt like when you were young, 
you were going to be locked in a store. Like I remember one time I was at a supermarket with my parents and it had to be like 8:30 and I was like having an anxiety attack that the yes. store was going to close while we were inside of it. Yes. Like this used to happen to me all the time as a kid. Like I'd be in the store with my mom and it'd be like 9 p.m. and I'm like oh my god. <laughs> they're going to lock yeah. the doors, the people, the loudspeak. Like yeah. Like if they if they're making announcements in the store that it's closing, I'm I am fully panicking. <laughs> leaving that full cart in the aisle and and bolting out the door same fully panicking did you feel like this was weirdly observant for steve it reminded me of the scene in the spy after the demodogs flee and he's like they're going somewhere no way (laughs) no no shit steven when he's like didn't come from russia came from here came from here it felt like like a csi moment like when the guy takes <laughs> off his sunglasses. <laughs> Literally, yeah. But also, like, I feel like we're really kind of leaping with the assumption that Indiana Flyer doesn't exist anywhere else. It, yeah, it is definitely a leap. Because I've definitely seen Indiana Flyer in New Jersey. Like, those little horses. Like, that's a, it's a famous brand of those little horses. Sure. Like, I've seen those before. It does feel like a, a bit of a leap. Okay. And, like, logistically... Is the control room next to the horse? I don't understand. <laughs> well, it would depend. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> like, how are we hearing the song on the recording when the control room is, I'm pretty sure, supposed to be in the bunker? We watched the transmission right. occur, and it was inside yeah. the bunker, in that, like, like you said. In that, like, comms room that they actually go into. So it's not like somebody was speaking back that could have been standing in the mall not to mention it was nighttime when that transmission came through and the mall is clearly closed yeah who was putting a coin in the horse <laughs> life's biggest question who was putting a who coin? was putting a coin in the horse <laughs> that's a great question i didn't even think of that yeah i do not understand how the song made its way onto the recording i don't know movie magic honestly that's it on a more serious note, I think it's interesting how this scene happens immediately following the scene with Mr. Clark because both groups are like actively weighing the plausibility of two completely outlandish situations. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, Mr. Clark mentions apophenia, which is seeing patterns that aren't there. And then Robin legitimately says, well, I guess we translate the rest and hopefully a pattern emerges. Oh, Yeah. And it just feels like purposeful a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I can't believe I'm about to agree with the strange child. But yeah. Is that what she says? Evil Russians. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she says, yeah. right? A drunken grumpy hopper polishes off a basket of breadsticks at Enzo's, which by the way, they look like the crunchy kind, which are like... Re- They're trash. They're not as good. No, trash Nowhere bread. near as good. Joyce has stood him up. I know the feeling, man. Sucks. The waiter whose name is not Enzo, (laughs) asks Hopper if he's going to order his entree, but Hopper instead stands up to leave, attempting to take the bottle of wine with him. Not Enzo tells Hopper that he cannot take alcohol off the premises, but Hopper blows raspberries at him and states that he can do whatever he wants because he's chief of police. (laughs) On his way out, Hopper bumps into the Terminator, who is enjoying a beverage at the bar. You know who else is enjoying a beverage at the bar? It looks like the Hollands, doesn't it? Yep. Or is it though? Or at least Mr. Holland with someone. But wouldn't they have moved? They were selling their house in season two. They were, but that's definitely Mr. Holland. It is. That's like a hundred percent him. 
but that's at 44 minutes and 26 seconds if you would like to see that is i'm i'm 99 sure that's mr holland we don't see the woman he's talking to hoping that that it's it's mrs holland but uh i don't know no oh, this is getting a little bit salacious right? maybe it's not mrs holland if that man is cheating on mrs holland I will burn his house no. to the ground. No, I don't think that's what's happening. I think that the the death of their daughter caused a rupture in their marriage, oh. and he's pursuing other relationships. Okay. If they got divorced, that's cool. Yeah. That's what I think. Billy drives back to Brimborn Steelworks. He's got a tied and unconscious Heather Holloway in his trunk. We see him carry her into the basement of the steel mill and place her down on the floor. She comes to and begins to panic, realizing that she's bound and her mouth is taped shut. Billy leans in and tells her not to be afraid. It'll be over soon. Just stay very still. He removes the tape from her mouth, and we see a meaty, tentacled creature approach from the shadows. Heather screams as Billy watches. Don't be afraid. Ugh, so, so creepy. It'll be over soon. Just stay very still. Like you said, like his face is like conflicted. He looks like he's he's afraid or like he's not fully committed. Like he's still there. Yeah. Like he knows he's he he like has to do this, but he doesn't want to. Yeah. And then like this is Vecna. Like this is what Vecna says. Yeah. It'll be over very soon. Just stay still. Don't yep. be afraid. Just stay very still. It's just Ve- Vecna. Yep. He's here. Anything else to add? Just that this episode starts with Billy escaping the mill and ends with him returning to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to go back. Yeah. Also, I'm so sorry. I'm... I'm a stupid. I didn't realize until this watch through that what they mean by build what you see is build an army mm-hmm. with Billy leading it. I did not like process that until this watch through. It took me like several watch throughs to figure that out, honestly. Yeah. No, no, like no. I didn't get it the first time. I was like, I don't understand what I should like a road. Like, I don't, <laughs> what am I building? <laughs> build, yeah, Billy, build a road, right? please. Like, I was very we confused. We need new roads here. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I don't understand what he wants, but yeah i don't understand i said i said it to nick like i was having this like great epiphany and he was like yeah yep that's what that means i was like oh you um, got it you didn't share with the class it's okay i have no leg to stand on when it comes to oblivion so nope not one <laughs> all right well that's huh. it for our scene by scene and an incredibly long one. Oh my god but that's okay let's make this part quick let's so you want to get into MVP? Bitch. Okay. Sure. Bitch. Yeah. I said Robin. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I just think she is the, she's the catalyst here. I know I like use that a lot for this, but to me, it's always about like who's moving the plot forward. And Robin is who kind of moves the plot forward in this chapter quite a bit. Yeah. The Russian plot is the plot, really, for this season. It is. It's like the main plot in a lot of ways. It's all tied back to the fact that the Upside Down is available, which is what's making it possible for everything else to happen. Yeah. So, true. Robin is my MVP. Love it. Who's yours? Mine was Max. Nice. Yeah. She introduces Elle to life without stupid boys. Mm-hmm. And she's immediately so kind and supportive with Elle, despite Elle being super cold to her in season two. 
cold as ice very cold as ice yes yeah so i love max in this episode i think that she is she's the support that Elle really needed in her life rather than Mm -hmm. you know someone trying to tell her what to do she is telling Elle that she can decide what she wants to do yeah i love that max and robin yeah the ladies the ladies how about lvp losers what losers my LVP is Michael Vincent Wheeler. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I just, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I agree with you. I think he was very smug in that moment with Elle at Starcourt. I don't like how he handled the phone call with her. I do think he could have been more transparent throughout this whole situation. I think Lucas was like, you fucked this up. Like, you should have consulted with me first. Our resident girl expert. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, my LVP is MVW, Michael Vincent Wheeler. How about you? My LVP is Hopper. Wow, we are switching off yeah. here. And Susie, it was I had Hopper and you had Mike. Yeah. And fuck, Hopper and Mike. They're really just shitting the bed on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Hopper, major L in this episode. He basically lied to Joyce about his intentions for their get together interesting he lied about it not being a date pretty much because he went into it with basically the expectation that it was going to be and expected Hmm. her to read his mind okay and then got pissy when she didn't i mean granted she did she did stand him up like not cool but if that was just your friend you would give them a call and be like hey remember we had a thing everything okay right is everything good instead things have been known to not be good right Seems seems important that maybe you would reach out and just, like, make sure things mm. are good. But he didn't. And then he got pissy about it. Which, I mean, it didn't happen yet that he, like, you know, is all mean to her about it and whatever. But, like, regardless. Yeah. And he also spent a good amount of this episode relishing in the fact that he basically broke up his daughter's happy relationship. Yep. Good point. Yeah. So, screw you, Hopper. In this episode, you were taking major L's and doing major L's. He gets you sucks on Robin's yes, tally board that has been erased. Yeah, he gets a few you suck. Yeah, Ma- Mike and Hopper, season three, starting off, it's just not a good look for either of them. No, it is not. So, let's get into our newest segment, Mall Rat Moments. <laughs> That's totally against the rules. I make my own rules. <laughs> <laughs> As we have previously mentioned on this show, Marina and I spent a good amount of middle school and some high school dating the same boy. (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening, you know who you are. (laughs) Sorry, ma'am. Yeah, so we're dating this this guy, kind of passing him back and forth. Not cool. We shouldn't have done that. So anyway, basically, it was just like always very volatile as well. You know, those middle and high school relationships, people are fighting all the time and, you know, silly drama, whatever. Well, pretty much what occurred was we had been passing this person back and forth for the better part of like two years and we were now entering high school. So it was our first like week of high school Mm -hmm. and there's this local like carnival kind of applicable that would come into town the second weekend in September or so. Mm And we were all like, let's go. You know, we have to go. It's my birthday. I'm pretty sure my cake had Brendan Yuri from Panic at the Disco on (laughs) it. We all need to go to the fair. So we all go to the fair. And this particular person who neither myself nor Amanda are dating at this point. I don't think either of us are in a relationship with him. No, but I think that I was the most recent breakup. Probably. I think. Yeah. Yeah. He's at the fair. And 
somehow we end up in an altercation with him where picture like a bunch of teenagers standing in a circle. Yeah. Like it's very like, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he got a little bit too close to Amanda and called her a whore. I think that's what yeah, happened. It is. And, and like, I was 14. I don't, you were like 13, 14. Like we are not whores. No. Nobody is a whore, first of all, but no. we are especially not whores. Yeah. Like not even a little. <laughs> like this is the only person I've ever even kissed. Same. Like we, yeah, <laughs> not whores. No. And he called her a whore. And I was drinking lemonade. I had like one of those like fair lemonades yeah. that had the whole ass half a lemon That's in like it. That's like a Tupperware, like a tall Tupperware. <laughs> and I just, he got a little too close to Amanda and called her a whore. And I just doused him <laughs> in my lemonade. I threw that lemonade all over him and it got on his sidekick. Oh, yeah. And it was like a big deal. <laughs> like it like fucked up his phone covered in lemonade. And let me just say, I will, no offense to you, if you're listening, this has been a long time. I will never forget his face yeah. when that lemonade landed. And then to top it all off, I'm pretty sure I like started to flee oh, yeah. in the other direction. Oh yeah, we were running. And Amanda's running after me. That was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> it was so cool. <laughs> and then she dated him again. A few more times. <laughs> And that's the end of this mall rat. Moment. It was a great, a great moment, and honestly, like a, a, a defining moment in our friendship. I think it really was. It was like it, it was amazing. Marina came to my defense. Didn't even think about it. We just started running. We ran back to her dad's house because it was pretty close. Like we just, mm-hmm. we just we bolted just all ran the way to my dad's house. <laughs> yeah, yep, that was our mall rat that moment. Was, that was intense. <laughs> it was intense. It was a good one. We definitely did get in trouble after that. By the way. <laughs> I think it like escalated to yeah like school. It did. Levels. It did. Like people were threatening to beat us up, but it was fine. We never got beat up. <laughs> no, we were fine. It, yeah, it was all good. <laughs> all right, get you a friend like that. It also like I just I want to I want to also bring it back to Stranger Things for a moment. It like our reaction afterwards mm. very much reminded me of Max and Elle getting on the bus and just being like, "Hey, <laughs> like high fiving." Yeah. I dump your ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was Marina dumped his ass full full of lemonade. <laughs> I think that was like my I don't think I went back after that I think that was my like sign off I'm done with like, the fair yeah no no oh, not him. the fair with him I don't think I revisited that no I don't think so and good for you no yeah no but you did, I did. sorry <laughs> I'm not mad <laughs> okay I think we're over it <laughs> oh my god anyway so that was our mall rat moment and that was the mall rats and we yeah we hope you enjoyed and if you did Please give us a rating. Rate us. We would love it. On Spotify or Apple, give us a star rating. That would be great. And if you want to write something, that's awesome too. But you don't have to. That is. You don't have to. Just give us a rating. It really helps us seem more legit. Yes. And I know we wanted to do a couple shout outs before we wrap up. Yeah. So I have a handful of shout outs. Number one for me, I want to shout out Daily Jonathan Byers on Instagram because we love your content. We do. And we love that you've been enjoying our content. So I just want, we wanted to shout you out. Yeah. Also, one of our fellow Stranger Things podcasts has been listening, Ham Radio Media, and we wanted to shout them out too. Yeah. Y'all are awesome. Yeah. And then we heard from two listeners who I'm going to call out by name, Caitlin and Emily. We just want to say in general, we love all of your guys' comments, all of your DMs. It's fun to have you all as part of this conversation because we all bring different perspectives and understandings of what 
we watch. And I just wanted to call out Sarah specifically because she mentioned how she doesn't see Hopper's behavior in season three as a regression. Mm -hmm. We talked about that in Susie, do you copy? She rather sees it as him struggling because he can't use his badge or his fists to solve his Mike and L problem. That's such an excellent point. I, yeah, I thought that was such a good way to put that. So we just want to shout all of you out really for being vocal and joining in on our conversation. We're really happy that you're listening. We are. We love it. And if you ever have any questions or something you want us to address on a future episode, we would love to hear from you. We usually record about a week or so out. So not too much of a gap. So if you're listening to this episode and you have a question about maybe, you know, chapter three or something else we're going to do, let us know on Instagram. DM us and, and we'll talk about it. Yeah, we will talk about literally anything. We, as <laughs> you can clearly. As you can tell by this two hour episode. <laughs> oh God, all right. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> on that note, everybody, thank you for listening again and stay strange. Stay strange. <laughs> to keep in touch and stay informed about upcoming Starcourt Study Hall episodes, follow us on Instagram at Starcourt Study Hall.